Are we all awake this morning? All right. It is good to be here today. Let me tell you, Satan has been fighting me all morning. Um, you know, I came in, uh, many of you don't know, but my mom and my brother and her husband all have COVID. Uh, my mom and her husband were tested positive, and uh, Joe hasn't been tested yet, but he will be. Uh, so if you could keep them in your prayers, I really appreciate it. So you can see the praise team looks a little bit different and will for the next couple weeks, but the Lord still deserves our praises, right? And we're going to praise him no matter what. And then I got here, and half the power wasn't working. We didn't have sound. We didn't have lights. But you know what? But God. We're here. We've got sound. We've got power. We've got lights. Thank you, Lord. So I'm happy to be here today, aren't you? All right. A few announcements. Sunday school at 930. If you're not attending already and you're here, why not? Come on in, 930. Uh, pick a class. Sit in it. If you don't like that class, pick another one. But I'm pretty sure whatever class you choose, you're going to like. Because we have some pretty amazing teachers. That's at 9.30 every Sunday morning. And then on Wednesday nights, um, at least until May, right? Till the first Wednesday in June. And then we'll be taking a break for the summertime. But up until June, it'll be 7 p.m. And that's for kids, uh, youth, and adults. Um, also, last day to sign up for membership class. I believe you have a little brochure in your bulletin, please sign up. It is going to be a Zoom class. So see Pastor Mike after the service. If you have some questions on that, he can help you through it. And uh, we'll get you set up there. Also, um, if you noticed, some of our kids for Caravan, they've been uh, earning their badges. And this is the botany badge, and they've been weeding. So thank you, kids, for all of your hard work. There was a lot of weeds. And they cleaned them up and made them really nice. And also thank you to Cheryl again for painting the church. It looks beautiful. She, she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> all right. Who's ready for worship this morning? I am. Let's stand. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a very important announcement. My bad. She was in such a tizzy this morning. I forgot. To, I mean, I was in the room, but I didn't actually say I was getting up here. Um, but we will be doing this announcement for the, for the next week, three weeks. So... I'm sorry I'm repeating myself, but for those of you who haven't heard, we do have a candidate to put before the church. Um, the board is super excited to present them on May 9th, um, so that he will come and speak, and we'll have more details about exactly what's going to happen with that after the board meets tonight. Um, and then May 16th will be our annual meeting and our pastoral vote separately. Um, so we will be voting on um, committees and uh, boards and stuff like that after the service I believe but during the service we will be doing our pastoral vote so more details to come if you have questions please ask and again we're super excited about this thank you Julie just to reiterate what she said um, your board has been praying a lot um, and we're pretty confident in this pastoral candidate and I think you will be too but you know be praying pray uh, for the Lord's leading because that's what we want ultimately is God's will uh, for who's to be pastor here so with that, why don't you stand, and we're going to prepare our hearts for worship this morning.
that's one of my all-time favorite songs. We have victory in Jesus this morning, don't we? Amen and hallelujah.
to be glorified always. Our God is good. He deserves all of our praise. he did on that cross for us we're going to sing about
Are you like uh, everybody else in the room today who you have days, you have weeks when you just, just really need to be close to God and you just know it, you just say this is, I think there's people who have had that day this week and maybe it's today and you just really need to be close to God. We, um, we're, not, we're, we're, we're not over COVID, obviously it's still out there, in fact Franklin County has gone purple, back to purple. So we can't gather around people and lay hands on them, but we can still pray for people. And so um, if you're somebody who, this is, oh, this is a day, this is a time, this is a week, that you really need people praying with you, even though we can't come by you. I'm, I wonder if there's just some people who say, I, I have some unspoken requests, I really need prayer, anybody? Okay, several of you, all right. Okay, and there's even more than this. Lots of people. Yeah. All right. So let's just um, look around, and you can see who's here, and you can know what's going on in your life, some of them. And some of you raise your hands. And let's just take time and pray for each other, okay? I'll lead, and you can pray right out. You can pray out loud if you're okay. It's, not, it's okay to pray out loud. I know we're, we're a little bit afraid of that, but you don't have to be. Or you can pray in your heart and your mind. The good news is, no matter what we hear or don't hear, God hears it all. So let's pray together. Join with me. Father, I, I want to come to you because there are some people who we really care about and really, really appreciate and really know, and they're, they're important to us, and they need your touch. They need your presence in their life right now. 
this week, next week. They need you to do what nobody else can do. And Lord, sometimes we don't know exactly how to pray. And so we just lift up names. And now what I would like you to do in your heart, just start to name three or four people and take those names to God and I'll do the same. Lord, we also come on behalf of our country and uh, most of us in our country are throwing our hands up and saying, is this ever going to end? And God, I just don't know. But I know that through it all, you're going to be there. And men and women who turn to you and look to you like we're doing, you're going to guide us, you're going to direct us, you're going to give us wisdom, you're going to give us hope. And our hope is in you. I ask that you'll be with us this morning as we look at your word. May it be exactly what we need to hear. Not what I say, what we need to hear. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Well, we're coming up on a pastoral vote, which will be exciting. And I know you've had the same pastor for 18 years. And some of you have never voted. Well, there is, a, there is this thing about you have to be a member of the local church that you attend, I mean, you have to be a member of the local church to vote for a pastor, and just because you attend doesn't mean you're a member. We're not a country club. Uh, we're not exclusive in the sense that, well, a country club says, you know, you've got to pay $10,000 a year or $50,000 a year or something like that, and we wouldn't mind if you did that, but that's not a requirement. Uh, but it is a requirement that you be a member of the local church, and so next Sunday um, evening, We'll be having a membership class on Zoom. And if you've, if you've done business meetings on Zoom, this is not going to be anything like that, uh, unless it was a really good one. We're going to kind of be interactive. We're going to get acquainted. Uh, we're going to uh, talk to you about some things that are really important about the Church of the Nazarene and about the Illyria Church. And then uh, go over some things that are very important. And, and yet we're going to make it, it's, gonna be, uh, it's not going to be two hours of me talking to you. I don't think I could last for two hours. It wouldn't work that way. And then those of you who can't come, if you register with the church, uh, with the office, or if you sign up on this thing that's in the bulletin, they'll send you a Zoom link, but we will need um, an email address if we don't have it in the church office. If you would like to sit in, maybe it's been a long time since you've been a part of something, as far as the Church of Nazarene, as far as a membership class, We'd, we'd invite you to come in. We'd love to hear from you. That would be fantastic if there are a few people who could jump in there and just, and just kind of tell what the church has meant to you and what it means for you. And we can do that with Zoom. But again, you've got to let the church office know because they'll send you the Zoom link. The other thing that I wanted to mention, though, is the prayer vigil. And this is in your worship program. I never did ask. Do you call it a worship folder, a program, a bulletin? I don't know. A lot of churches call it different things. But that thing that got the announcements in, this is in here. That's it. And the prayer vigil. Uh, we've had this in place. <clears throat> the people, there's been a, a, a group of people who have committed to lead these hours. And that's been in place for a while. The only missing 
thing that we knew was when the vote was going to be. And now the vote is going to be May 16th. And so the day before, and I'll be talking some more about this in the next few weeks, we really want to call the church to prayer. This is, this is a priority. And uh, if you have things on the schedule and you can rearrange them, we would encourage that. Now, I know you get in the springs. We've got baseball, softball, soccer, all kinds of things. And it is quite possible that your kids will do fine without you for one game. Uh, in fact, some, some kids will do better without their, without their dads there to say, oh, come on, come on, come on. I always just wanted to go sit next to that dad or mom in the, in the stands and just say, do you love that kid you're yelling at? But I didn't. And I'm sure that's not like you, but I do believe your kids will do fine. Some of you might have to say, well, you know, I, I got to take them there. Maybe if you can find somebody. What I'm saying is make it possible to join with others. Now, we're going to have you socially distanced. You're going to be in several different places. We're going to have four hours, and you can pick the one that you want to be a part of. Uh, we'll let you know uh, as we get closer which, which different people will be living different, leading different weeks as we as we finally nail that down, but it's, it's, uh, it's changing a little bit, uh, but, uh, but not much. We pretty much have it. And the people who are leading an hour are also going to be asking you individually to join them. When was the last time you came together as a church for a prayer vigil? I don't know. But probably not something that we can exactly put our fingers on. And that's okay but we don't want to go past this time, this decision, without spending time in prayer. Now, if you can't do it, when these are scheduled, we thought about a Zoom meeting, but we just know that that's, that's a little bit different. And if you can't do it, what I would ask you to do is to sign up for an hour that you're going to be able to pray. And if you're open to it, we'll call you and put you on speakerphone and you can participate that way, even if you can't be present, okay? We want to make it possible so that you can join together with others in prayer. So that's what's coming. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. You, you probably know this. Some of you probably know this, that some things are better if you don't hold them very tight. Now, some things you've got to hold on to really tight, like a two-year-old. You want to hold on to a two-year-old. Sometimes you want to throw away the two-year-old, but you can't do that. But you can't hold on to them. But there are some things that are better if you hold on to them loosely or not so tight. One thing is a hammer. Now, you don't want to hold a hammer so loose that you start to hammer, and, and when you're swinging back, it goes back and hits somebody in the forehead. That doesn't work. But you don't want to hold it so tight that you can't get the full power in it. When I was, when I was in high school, I got a job hanging drywall, and we did all kinds of buildings. And, uh, and I learned that, you know, you, 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 you go back a little bit, and as you're coming forward, you twist your wrist, and you can go pretty fast. And I had a guy who I worked for for a while who could actually spit the nails and hit them. At least that's what he told me. I had to use my hands. But, uh, but, but hitting with a hammer, you actually get more power if you hold it loose so you can move your wrist. Now, the same thing is true with the golf club. I am not a golf pro, except on the video version, and then I'm pretty good. But in the real version, I'm not a golf pro, but, but I, I have watched, I've tried to pick up some things, and, 
And, I, and I, I never, for a while, it took me a while to get into the idea that I'm going back and you see your whole body is giving you power and you lean and you go back, but at some point you gotta cock your wrist and then come back and then swing your wrist back. And you'll get a lot more power. Might not be straight, but it'll go a little bit farther. And that's because you can't hold it too tight. There's another thing that you can't hold on very tightly with. If you really want to, if you really want to get the most out of it, and that's money. You can't hold on to money too tight. It won't work. Um, some of you know the name Corey Tim Boone. She said, "Hold everything in your hands lightly, otherwise it hurts when God pries your fingers open." And He will. And and money is one of those things that we just need to hold loosely. When I was here as your pastor a long time ago, um, I was taking some classes at Olivet. And I'd go over for a week. It was a master's program. And I'd go over for a week. And one of the times, one of the books that we had to read was a book called Money Dynamics for the 1980s. That's how I know I was here. <laughs> it's not a popular book now, but we had to read it. And it was about a lady whose husband had died and left her with $200,000. And uh, she had to learn how to manage it. And one of the things that she realized, I don't know if she was a believer or not. But one of the things she said in that book was, you can't, and she was talking about investing, you can't invest money if you hold it so tight because you're afraid of it. In fact, she says, I recommend that you give at least 10% of everything that you have and get away. Now, she wasn't talking to tithe to the church, so I don't know if she was referring to tithe, but that's true. And that's one of the reasons why God asked us to tithe, because we can't hold it. We can't hold it so closely that we're afraid of it. And that's a, one of the money dynamics for the 1980s, in case you're interested. So I'm going to talk about the fact that God provides for us as we provide for others. I'm going to be talking specifically, in, in most cases, about money. Um, I learned a lot of lessons when I was younger, and I'm still hoping to learn lessons. I told you about money dynamics for the 1980s. Another lesson I learned, I was a lot younger. I was about, I was probably eight or nine years old. My dad was a pastor, small church. We lived right next door to the church in a in a parsonage, and um, I think I might have even mentioned this before, but it made such an impact on me, I'll mention it again. I had a friend over, staying the weekend. My brother and I and my friend were out walking across our front yard, and the church parking lot was right there, church parking spaces. It wasn't a lot. <laughs> I found a dollar bill. And I'm excited. A dollar bill, that's a lot of money back then. And so I, we went into Dad, and Dad, can we go down to the Rexall drugstore and uh, spend this? He said, no. He said, if you found it in the church parking lot, it's probably somebody from the church. I never thought of that. It was Saturday afternoon. I know it wasn't from the church, but I didn't think about that until later. He said, so here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> I want you to each, there was three of us, so each of you take a quarter and put it in the Thanksgiving offering tomorrow. That left us 25 cents. There were three of us. The, the minimum we could buy at Jensen's drugstore was a, a cherry Coke for a nickel. This was a long time ago. And a bag of potato chips for a nickel. But that took 30 cents. 
And I wasn't divinely inspired. I was probably thirsty. But I said to my friend and my brother, let's go across the street to the school. Maybe we'll find a nickel. And within two minutes, I found the dirtiest nickel. I mean, as a kid, I probably spit on it to find out if it was a nickel or not, and probably rubbed it on my pants. Probably had, still had the mark when I got home from Jensen's drugstore where we spent the 30 cents. It didn't dawn on me then, but it dawned on me later. That's one of God's lessons. As we provide for others, he provides for us. And that's something Ken and I have tried to live with. I, I, one time I, I really felt like God was telling me, I was talking to somebody, they were going through some really difficult times, and I felt like he was saying, just give them everything you have in your wallet. And I wasn't trying to make a show, but I opened up my wallet, and he could see I pulled out everything. He said, you can't do that. You might have to, you might have to buy a meal or something. I said, ah, I got a credit card. I said, no, I really feel I need to give it. So I gave it to him. Never thought about it until three or four days later when I got to a place that I always stopped at, an ice cream place, the best chocolate ice cream. And I went in there, and there was a lot of people there that day, and all of a sudden I look up and it says, no credit card, and I thought, no problem. I just pulled my wallet out, nothing. And God did not give me an ice cream cone. I had to go without it. So I'm not saying that we give to get something. Don't do that. That's, that's bad teaching in God's kingdom. That really is. But you give knowing that God will provide. Now, I have had more ice cream cones at that place, but I always made sure I had a couple of bucks with me when I go through that town. So I'm not going to say that, we're going to look at two people. One of them is a very poor widow, and one of them is a prophet who's on the run. Uh, we're going to be looking at, uh, at Elijah and a widow and the woman who, uh, she, you know the story, he asked for something to eat and drink. She said she didn't have anything. He said, go ahead and give it to me. You're not going to die. God will take care of you. And, and, and it you know the story, so we'll look at that. Uh, the background of this story is that in the country of Israel, or, or Israel at that time, people were worshiping all kinds of gods besides Yahweh. Whatever the culture was doing, they were doing, and, and they had just diluted their worship of God. They had mixed it up with all kinds of things. And uh, God sent a drought on the land, and he said, until, you know, uh, things are beginning to change, it's not going to rain. And Elijah was the guy who got lucky enough to deliver that message. Well, he had also said a few things about the king and the king's wife, the queen. And uh, she did not like Elijah at all. In fact, she tried to kill him. And so he's on the run. He's gone to a place that God directed him. It was a nice place. Birds were bringing in bread and food, and there was water. But you know what happens when there's a drought? Even the creek dries up. And so God said, you're going to have to go to the next phase. You're going to have to trust me. And you see, that's one of the things I want to mention, is God always has a next stage when the present stage is ending. 
And sometimes it scares us half to death. In fact, we wonder, are you sure, God? And I think that's what Elijah did because the plan didn't really inspire hope. Look at this in 1 Kings. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Now, does Zarephath mean anything to anybody in here? It, it, prob it probably doesn't. It meant something to Elijah. Because remember the queen that I told you was out to get him? Jezebel? You know that name. That's her home region. And God said, here's the next step. Go to the home region of Jezebel, the one that's trying to kill you. Go there and then look for a widow. Widows were pretty poor. And he knew that. Um, the only thing he could possibly hope is that this widow was an exception and she was a rich widow. But she wasn't. Let's go on and read. So Elijah heads off to the least likely city with the least likely candidate. Now, you might notice a few words in here that are not in the Bible where it says, even though the plan seemed flawed, I added those in there. But then what's in the Bible says he went to Zarephath. Even though the plan seemed flawed to Elijah, he went to Zarephath. And when he came to a town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. How did, she, how did he know it was a widow? I don't know, but I'm guessing it had something to do with the way that she was dressed. It was required. It was protocol. It was what you do. And she was gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water and a jar so that I can have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, that wasn't unusual. That, that, was, that was kind of normal because it was just part of the times that when travelers come to your area, you, you know, you take care of them, you help them out. A, a, a water and a piece of bread wasn't a big request. But when the lady began to speak, Everything Elijah might have feared kind of reared back up because she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, which means one thing, she knew who he was, the prophet of God. And he was in the heart of Jezebel's territory. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread and only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She obviously didn't understand that God had chosen her. She didn't have anything. Well, she had a little flour, and a little oil, and no hope. She didn't understand that God had chosen her. And God's choice of our call to provide to others is not something that is always going to make sense. And it, she just didn't understand that. So, and by the way, she wasn't chosen for a positive outlook either. 
we're going to die. That was a little bit dramatic, but we're going to die. So she, there she was. But Elijah convinced her to trust him and to trust God. It goes on, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me. What you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. That took a lot of guts on Elijah's part to trust God. Because he did have a heart. He knew she was a widow. He knew that she wasn't lying. He knew that she was exasperated and lost hope and despair. He says, that's okay. Go ahead and go back and do what you're going to do. But first, make a piece of bread for me. I don't know if I'd have had the courage to do that. I don't know if I'd have done that. But Elijah was being directed by God. But he goes on, he says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain. I know this widow. I know this lady. I know her personally. Her name is Ann Eleanor, right? Kenna's aunt. She has nothing. Absolutely nothing. She has a house that is worth nothing. It has it, it's it's a she had a she had a terrible choice for a husband. She had one child who as a young adult was killed in a motorcycle accident. She had two children previous children from her husband's previous marriage who she took care of even long after her husband was gone. She has nothing. She has nothing. And she's the most generous person we've ever met. She, uh, there's a school. She lives in an area of Ashland that is the poor area. And there's a, every poor area has a school that's a, where the poor kids go. She goes down there every year and takes them Kleenex, toilet tissue, all kinds of things, and just gives it to them. She fills up bag after bag for, for uh, what's, what's the, is it, is it Franklin Graham that does the Christmas bags? The shoe boxes. She just, she doesn't buy shoes, she just gets shoe boxes. She wears the same clothes until they just literally fall apart. And she gives money, and gives money, and gives money, and gives money. And she has none. And now she's in the nursing home. She had COVID. She's probably not going to come out of there. They're going to they're claim her house to pay the Medicaid bills. <laughs> the irony is, they won't get near as much out of it as she did if she had sold it. You know, the strangest thing, that, that husband of hers, <laughs> somehow somebody way out west, some family member, left him a piece of land that he wanted to get rid of. As soon as he got it, it was probably worth $2,000 at the time. And she said, no. Well, you just got to hold on to that. 
And last I heard, that was providing her about $10,000 a year in oil rights. Now, 10000 isn't much, and she gave most of it away. I know this lady. She, she always tells me, she's a, uh, she's a Christian, she's a born-again Christian, but she hasn't gotten away from all the rough areas. And she'd say, give them hell, pastor, give them hell. Okay, whatever, Ann Eleanor, okay. <laughs> and she's never heard me preach. Uh, I don't know what I would do if she was here. I'd probably have to just preach fire and brimstone or something. Just to, but that's the widow. And she understands. And, and I've said, Aunt Eleanor, are you the widow? She says, well, my jug never runs dry. This is the widow. This is the widow. But can you imagine immediately the fears that flashed through this widow's mind? Even though he said, this is what the God of Israel said, it's never going to run dry. She probably thought, how can I relax when taking care of you is costing me so much? Would you have that thought? I would. Or maybe she said, I hope it rains today because the promise of God was he wasn't going to let it rain until the country did something right. She said, maybe it'll rain today. No, I don't know if she had those thoughts. She went out. He goes on. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family and for Aunt Eleanor. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So she had no assets, and God used her. She didn't have a positive attitude, and God used her. But she gave her last meal, and God gave her enough to last. Now, I told you about Aunt Eleanor because this isn't just a story that happened a long time ago. This happens now. It's still a part of the way. Uh, does it make you a little bit uncomfortable to say that God will provide for us if we provide for others? Are you, are you a little bit afraid of that idea, God will provide for us? Because maybe you've heard this teaching. Oh, I, I remember when I was a kid, there was a televangelist out of Toledo, and I turned it on one night after church, and he says, you can't lose with the stuff I use. And if you don't have faith to trust God with the money he's given you, just send it to me. And maybe you've heard that stuff and you don't like that. So does it bother you to say that God will provide as we provide? Well, if it does, let me take you to the New Testament. Jesus is talking and he said this, give and it will be given to you. A good measure... You know, get the measure, it's full, pressed down, it's poured in there, shaken together, running over, it will be poured out into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I don't know if it still says this on, I don't know if it still says this on grocery boxes, but it used to say, contents may have settled during shipment. And boy, did they have that right. Because there was a half a box of cereal by the time I opened it up. 
That's because nobody back at Kellogg's was shaking it until it was so full that you couldn't get anything else in it. And Jesus said, Give and it will be given. I will shake it so full that you can't get anything else in it. Well, everything seemed good. God seemed good. The widow had flour. She had oil. Evidently, they had water. And they were living on bread and water and thought it was a steak meal that was the best of the best. But it goes on in verse, in the same passage. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew, he grew worse and worse, and he finally stopped breathing. So she said to Elijah, who, who was living in the prophet's quarters, which was a place up on the roof, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Do you know that is really bad theology? Just in case you want to know, that's really bad theology. What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? In other words, she was saying, God's doing this to my son because of what I did in my life. That's bad theology. That's not true. That's, there's, in fact, in Jesus was asked that question in the New Testament. Who sinned? Did he sin or his parents sin? None of them. It's not a result of the sin that this man was born lame or blind or whatever it was. And then... If you and I heard that, or maybe I'll speak for myself, I mean, come on, lady. What's your problem? God gave you a jar that never runs out and a jug that never's empty. Remember what, I would say it nicer than that. Just remember, just remember, Aunt Eleanor, what God has done. Just remember. But when your son is on the verge of death, that's pretty hollow encouragement. And that's not what Elijah said. So what he did, he empathized with her. And he picked up her pain and he made it his own. The next verse says, give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms. He carried him to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord. He cried out. I, I don't think that's just an expression. I think that's a reality. I think... He had come to love these folks who had taken for care of him, who had provided for him, who had trusted God. And, and he didn't see them as something that was just a way to get him bread and water and whatever. They were people he was close to him. Then he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Bad theology again. From a prophet. And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and he cried to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And in spite of bad theology, God heard his cry. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, and he carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother, and he said, Look, 
Your son is alive. See, this is an example of God looking beyond our faults or our weaknesses, still loving, still providing. They had bad theology. There are some places in Christianity, bad theology is enough to get you kicked out of the church. And I mean, I mean, not really bad theology. What that, what that means in those churches is if you don't believe exactly like them, you're going to hell. You've got to believe exactly like us. It's going to be a very small heaven for that group until God opens the doors and they see all the people who are, you mean you believe that? And I'm not saying, talking heresy, okay? I'm not talking heresy. I'm just talking about some of the common beliefs of Christianity. Some people just pick out a little bit and make it a big fit and, and it doesn't really fit. And that, even if we did, that doesn't matter to God because he knows we're, we got filters up here. Sometimes we can only believe what we can see, and we haven't seen enough. The last part of the story ends with praise. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now I know that you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. You see, when we who are God followers follow God's prompting to provide for a need that he has brought to our heart and brought in front of us, reflection goes back to him. Now I know. Now I know. Now I know. She had heard Elijah, of Elijah, knew that he talked about God, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. The uh, praise team is going to come and close our service. And there's a song all over the world that will be sung today. We call it the doxology, but most of us know it by its very first phrase, which is what? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Maybe the person who read that story, or I mean who wrote that song, I don't know who wrote it, probably says it somewhere. Maybe they knew an Ann Eleanor. Maybe they knew this widow. So they're going to sing a song. I'm not sure how many they're going to sing. Just the one. And then we'll close with this. Is that right? Okay. Why don't we stand as we sing? Oh, here it is. <laughs> Finally, I have uh, sound. Y'all have a good uh, rest of your day. Be blessed. Go in peace.